0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson. Hey
1: everybody. Good morning. Thank for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson here, and you're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We've got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory joining us. Guys, how are you doing this week? Awesome. We're doing good. Good to be with you. All right, so we've got a pretty interesting show today. This is one of those shows that uh, I think there's still always a debate about what type of life insurance, do I need life insurance, how much life insurance, that sort of thing. So we are going to be talking about life insurance today. And then we're going to be answering some listener questions. And as always, if you have a question, please go to the website, Wise money Radio. Dot .com you can leave your question there. We also have a phone number for you to call now 574-222-2000 and you can leave your question on the voicemail right there. So again 222-2000. All right guys, so we're going to talk about life insurance, you know, why don't you just go ahead and introduce this and you know why is this important and uh what are some of the things that people miss with
2: it? Well, people have a hard time addressing this topic in their financial life. Life insurance, it's complicated, it's emotional and all of that. And as we were talking before the show, Kevin you said to something that stood out to me. I know you're crazy. Uh, I've known you for a long time, and I've known that for a long time. But you said that you love life insurance. Why do you love
3: life insurance? I do love life insurance, Mike. And and really, when you think, one of the underpinnings of a healthy economy and an ability to transact commerce is the ability to efficiently transfer risk. So for almost any risk that you could face in this country, there's a counterparty, usually an insurance company, that will accept that risk For an exchange of value, usually called a premium. So that's kind of technical, but the thing that, you know, the insurance industry in this country is one of the the components that makes the United States the greatest country in the history of the world. And I realize that the insurance industry sometimes gets a bad rap and sometimes deservedly so, but their facilitation of the efficient transfer of risk makes our economy as healthy and robust as it is.
4: You know, I I would say I love life insurance too, but it's, more of a learned uh, experiential type of appreciation for it for, for whatever reason uh, God has brought a lot of widows to me to work with and to serve as their financial advisor. Don't, don't know why, but uh, a lot of folks are grieving because they lost a spouse. And I can tell you, I've seen the entire spectrum of people who have been left behind with the right amount of money or financial resources and those who are financially handicapped for the rest of their life. And the difference between all those scenarios is life insurance. You know, that's what it boils down to. How much did did that surviving spouse or they as a couple plan ahead and know uh, that they have the right amount of resources that will be created out of thin air if tragedy strikes in that family? So, uh, you know, I'm learning to love it for less philosophical reasons, I guess.
3: Yeah, and, and to speak to the, the aspect of the peace of mind that life insurance brings, I know that if I'm in an accident on my way home and this is my last day here on Earth, when my body goes in the, the ground and separated from my soul, that there's going to be ample life insurance for my partners to buy out my wife so they're not going to be a partner with my wife in the business. And there are ample proceeds for my wife to live the the life that we envision her living. So the peace of mind aspect that comes with the correct amount of life insurance, that that's one of the reasons why I do love life insurance. Can I kind of,
1: you know, I want to dovetail off of this, because we do a radiothon here on MNC every single year, benefiting, St Margaret's house. And every year in the morning and in the afternoon, we have a woman named Connor Ryan. She comes on and she tells her story. Yeah. This is a woman who's upper middle class, you know, raised a family, married, kids moved away, had like two of the kids still at home, but most of them had grown up. And her husband passes away. You know, this is upper middle class, did not have life insurance or an afterlife sort of uh, preparedness plan available. She ends up on the streets. She's homeless, suicidal. uh, And then of course she found St. Margaret's house and she's, she's turned things around. But most people don't think that far ahead that something like that can happen. And she was one of those, she's like, I would have never in a million years thought that that could have happened to me. Yeah, it'll never happen to me. We were living yeah. a good life. We, we made good money. My my husband just got cancer, died. And the expense that goes with all of that um, takes a lot of those resources that you would normally expect to be there.
3: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing a radio show, Casey, because we want people to think about these things. And it, this You have to get outside of the day-to-day, and you have to think, what is the future, and what are the contingency plans if my current plans don't work? And so, for us, the idea is kind of fix the roof while the sun is shining. Get those things in place that says, there's going to be emotional devastation in, in the event that I'm gone, but let's make it so that there's not financial devastation in the event that I'm gone. Yeah. Well, next, next part of that is, you know, I'm, I'm not
2: sure her full story and maybe why her and her husband maybe never addressed this issue, but I know it is a difficult thing for a lot of people to talk about. And it's very emotional. People don't really like to think about them dying. Yeah. I mean, it, and he wasn't an old guy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the, so, so it's emotional. So that's why it's difficult for people to address. The other reason that's difficult, though, is there are a lot of different types of life insurance. It's confusing. If there were just one simple way to address this, and it worked for everyone, I think maybe more people would, would address this area of their financial life. But there are, it's just confusing the number and number of ways that you can transfer this risk, the different types of life insurance out there. I think most people only know about two of them. You, know, you got term and you got whole life.
1: So what are some of the other ones and the other types that we might have available?
2: Well, so I would, I would speak broadly and say there are really two, two types. There's permanent insurance and there's temporary insurance.
4: Yeah, and term insurance would be the example of that temporary coverage. You're basically buying insurance for a set number of years. You're not going to have this necessarily for your entire life. And if you pass away during that 10-year period or 20 or 30-year, then the life insurance company is going to pay out to your beneficiaries and... Um, you know it, it was worth the money spent those who pass away after that period of time you know a lot of people argue well oh i wasted that money then because i spent all these these premium dollars over the years i never died and uh you know it, it was a waste of money yeah actually you won
2: exactly. you, you, you you won in
1: that
3: you scenario
0: never
1: died. That's you're the point. not dead
4: <laughs> so whereas permanent insurance which whole life is is a classic example of that there's also universal life and variable universal life these add an investment component to the policy where you're building up a cash value that can help cover the cost of that insurance long out into the future beyond just a 20 year or a 30 year period it can go for your entire life if you pay into it properly
2: yeah that's and that's the permanent side of it but then you've got variations off of that i mean from from term you've got annually renewable term you've got return of premium term so it's just confusing so which one's better And how can people out there kind of decide?
1: Because, again, there might be people out there. You're not planning on dying in the next 10 years. So why get 10-year term life insurance?
3: Which one's better? That's a great question. The best life insurance policy is the one that fits your need. So if you have a temporary need, if you have temporary insurance, that's a fit. If you have a permanent need and you have permanent insurance, that's a fit. So the question is, what is the need first? That's the first question. And then what's the tool that we apply to that need to get it taken care of?
4: Yeah, that's the perfect analogy there. You know, it's similar to asking the question, which is better, a hammer or a crescent wrench? Your answer is, well, it depends on what job I'm trying to accomplish, right? So there are folks out there where temporary coverage, like that term insurance, is appropriate because it's less expensive on a monthly basis or an annual basis. It frees up dollars that they can do other things with, maybe pay down debt or accumulate for a long-term goal because they're minimizing how much uh, money, minimizing the portion of their, their monthly budget that's going towards life insurance. So, uh, you know, it, it all boils down to what, what's the need, what's the use, uh, as Kevin said,
2: well, when I first got in this business though, and was asked the question about life insurance was learning about, it. I thought, well, I want a life insurance policy to be there for when I think I'm going to die. And so that would lean just intuitively. I thought, well, I'd want a permanent policy, but as Casey already mentioned, this kind of has a bad rap. So you guys want to dive into that a little bit? I mean, uh, Term seems much more prevalent today than whole life and, and universal life.
4: Well, I think depending on who you're getting your advice from, um, you know, each, each advisor or each agent out there comes with certain biases. You know, they just lean a certain direction. Maybe they just favor term insurance. Uh, there, there's a, a famous um, financial services firm out there that uh, says you need to buy term and invest the difference. That's the way to get the most bang for the buck. Others out there have uh, grown their their corporation, their business, by selling uh, these permanent policies, which, you know, they are more expensive uh, to the the, the consumer. There's a nice payday attached to it, to the agent. And because of that, um, you know, some people have a bias against it. Like, oh, you're just enriching the agent if you do that.
1: Yeah. So So why would somebody look at whole life as opposed to term life? Because I assume you get through with the term and then you just, okay, I'm still alive. If you're a sane person, you realize you didn't actually waste that money and hey, cool, you won the lottery, you're still alive, and then you just get term insurance again too. So why why not do the cheaper option every set period over and over and over again versus the more expensive whole life?
3: Yeah, and and you would you would always go with the cheapest option if you always believe that cheapest was best. And so when you look at life insurance, you say and, and you're saying, Well, why why would you get whole life instead of term? whole life again I've got a permanent need I'm, I'm buying whole life Term insurance if whatever the term is 10 20 30 years after that term expires the cost of that insurance goes up Now if you' if you if your health hasn't changed, if I bought a 10year policy and 10 years from now my health was as good or better than it is today then I can probably get into another 10-year term for about what I was paying. And that's, that is a, a function of the life expectancy tables and uh, these insurance companies have gotten incredibly efficient uh, with their underwriting for term insurance. But I don't know what my health is going to be 10 years from now. So again, th- when you think in, in grand terms of risk and risk management, one of the risks I'm taking or, or the dice that I'm rolling, I'm going to bet that in the next 10 years I'm not going to come down with diabetes, I'm not going to have my first heart attack, yeah. I'm not going to... Fill in the blank. What, what are those things that are looming out there in the, the future of my health that would make it, it cost prohibitive for me to continue the insurance? So permanent need
1: could be an evaluation of your lifestyle, health, that sort of thing. Could be.
4: Here's a good example of someone who needs permanent insurance.
1: Could be a, a
4: married couple. Uh, they have a child with special needs, let's say. Uh, you know, someone who's a dependent of theirs and probably will be for as long as they live. A permanent life insurance policy is a way to make sure that there's going to be dollars left behind, no matter how long this married couple lives, because they have maybe a, a bigger need and a longer-lasting need um, in, in just caring for or providing for this this child that's eventually going to grow up into an adult and
1: still have uh, financial dependence. Okay, makes sense. And a little bit, what we're going to do in the next segment is we're going to talk about it because a lot of you, like me, have employers who will offer you life insurance and whether or not you should take that option, as well as some other factors that could go into the cost of life insurance and some other options as well. Once again, I want to remind everybody that if you have a financial planning question, please go to wisemoneyradio.com. You're listening to Wise Money with Warren Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Welcome back. Once again, you're listening to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson here. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We've got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory joining us as always. Once again, I want to remind you uh, that if you have a financial planning question, wisemoneyradio.com, you can submit your question on the website. Also, listen to previous episodes of the show. And if you want to go ahead and leave a voicemail, you can do that by calling 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can leave your question or your comment in the, uh, the voicemail box. So we left off with the life insurance that you can buy through work. And, and I was able to buy life insurance through work felt a little guilty about buying life insurance for my daughter. I'm like, I'm not I'm not planning on my kid dying, and then I'm going to profit from my child dying. And so there's that guilt factor, which is that uncomfortableness that we've talked about. But, you know, I still bought it. It's not a big policy, but it's something that is there. Um, so should people look at the option that they get from work, or should they maybe look
2: to supplement it or abandon it altogether and just look elsewhere? Here's why I like it. It's easy and comes right out of your paycheck. Here's why I don't like it is... How much of your financial life do you want wrapped in and tied up with your job? You know, you've already got your income. You probably have your health insurance, maybe your retirement plan. How much financially is at stake with your job? And most Americans change employers. Oh, I don't know all those stats, but it's 4.6 years. I was, was going to say it's going to be four or five years. Yeah. Crazy. Geek. Yeah, that, Casey's answer was normal. Yours was pretty geeky. If you you if said that a with a sparkle point. in your eye, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, so often, t- and and another reason why I don't like it through work. Not only would it be tied to your employer, but also that cost can change. And it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't change every year, but typically in bands of so maybe every five years, that cost will increase. A term policy for most people, you can lock in a rate and pay that fixed rate for. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years,
3: whatever you decide. Yeah, and the counterpoint to that, Mike, is that the reason why I do like it through work is that if I'm unhealthy, I can get it through work. And work might be the only place that I can get you got it. Got it, yeah. But so, what if
4: you are healthy? Because those group health or group life policies, it's a, it's a pooled group of workers, yeah. and the price is based on the average. Yeah. So if you are healthier than average or younger than average,
1: you may end up paying more than you you really should. If you're the twenty year old at a firm of sixty year olds, it That's may right. not be the best option. You're for you.
4: bringing down the average for everybody else. You're making it a good
2: deal for that old sick person. Yeah. But They'll you can you to him
1: by not going into the plan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you
2: go. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the other point you mentioned, though, Casey, about buying. Oh, number one, about the guilt with with oh, buying yeah, with my daughter. Yeah, yeah, buying buying insurance on a family I member. I did. I felt
1: really weird about it. I didn't feel weird about my wife. You know, because my wife owes me money when she dies. I don't care. But my kid, I felt really guilty about buying life insurance for for my... At the time, she was a baby.
2: Yeah. So, Josh, should you buy life insurance on your kid? See, I
4: used to say no because, you know, traditionally people would buy life insurance on their child to help cover final expenses, burial, that kind of thing. I'm actually becoming more and more a fan of this idea, though. If you buy a private policy, not through work one that is a private policy on your child that will lock in their insurability. Because what you don't know is how is that child's health going to change over the years. I have a younger brother that at age seven got diabetes, juvenile diabetes. He's uninsurable for the rest of his life. It takes the parent buying the policy and and locking in their insurability so they can have insurance long into their early adulthood, have some kind of policy, When they, you know, are are done with school, they get married. They have something for their family, even if their health
2: changes along the way. Now, would that
1: have to be like a whole life? It's typically a a whole
2: life. That's what I have in my kids personally. I just go out there and say, I, I felt the same way as you, Josh. I wasn't really a big believer in getting life insurance on kids until I had kids. And I wanted to lock in their insurability. And so I bought a whole life policy for each of my kids. Another way to do it would be
4: to get maybe a 30-year term policy. That's traditionally the longest temporary coverage you can get in place. But if it has a provision baked into the policy that says you can convert it to a permanent policy, a universal life policy, then um, you know that's, that's an
2: option for them to take advantage of if their health changes. So we're talking about getting life insurance on kids, but you hit a good point. For really anyone, if you're buying term insurance, one of the questions you may be thinking about or concerned about with that is, well, shoot, what if I buy a 30-year term policy and year 29, I find out I have cancer and I and, and doctors give me three years? Well, my life insurance is going to run out in a year and I my life's going to run out in three. What should I do? If you're buying a term policy, hopefully it's because you have a temporary need. But I would make sure that you're buying a policy that you can convert, that has a conversion Uh, clause in it where you can convert it to a permanent policy. You pay a little bit more when that happens, but if you're diagnosed with something near the end of that term, you can extend your your life insurance. And even if a policy
4: has that provision in it that allows you to switch from being temporary to permanent, you have to also watch how long do you have that option available to you. On that 30-year policy that you were talking about, maybe it's only the first 15 or the first 20 years that they give you the uh, the conversion option. So, if you can get a policy that lets you convert for the entire term, great. But those are the nitty gritty details that are baked in, you know, deep in these policies. And it's one of the primary reasons why we're not, you know, proponents of going online and just buying the cheapest yeah. policy you can find. You need to know what's in this thing. And, and uh, an advisor, an agent, someone that can work with you, answer those questions, maybe even help you ask the questions that aren't coming to your mind. Um, that, that's why you
1: need someone walking you through it. In other words, guys, there's more to it than what's my monthly payment, how long is the policy for, and what's it going to pay out? There's more to it than all of that, but what are some of the factors that might go into you know that cost? You Because know, everybody's looking at the payment and everything else, and I assume that health is a part of it, but there's got to be a lot of other factors that go into the cost of what you pay for life insurance,
2: right? Yeah, so the first uh, thing that distinguishes the cost is whether you're getting permanent or temporary insurance. But after that, it's how much are you getting? So obviously the more insurance you're buying, uh, more, the, the, the more how costly. How much can you trust your spouse to not kill you? Okay, there you go. You just <laughs> took it to a weird level. How much do you need? How much are you buying? And then for how long? So a 30-year term policy is going to be more expensive than a 10-year term policy. So, But then lastly, of course, you already hit it, but your health. I mean, tobacco users pay more for insurance. You got a bunch of speeding tickets, you might not even be able to get life insurance. Your credit score. Credit score. You go, you know, skydiving on the weekends and flying Fly an airplane. Yeah. So some of the lifestyle choices. Yeah. And of course, height and weight. Height and weight. But enjoy that donut and coffee that you're eating right now. (laughs) That's my typical breakfast of champions.
1: All right, we got a couple more things to get to uh, before we go ahead and get into the actual questions, but uh, I don't even think it'll take the entire rest of the next segment, so I think we can probably bang them out pretty quick. But once again, I want to remind everybody, if you have a financial planning question, whether it's about life insurance or anything else, with these six areas of financial planning, please go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can leave your question there. Submit your question through the website. You can also give us a call at 574-222-2000, that's 222-2000, and leave your question or comment on the voicemail. We've got more coming up. Once again, you're listening to Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Welcome back. Once again, you're listening to Wise Money Radio with Corehorn Financial Group. And again, I'm Casey Hendrickson. We've got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory. We are talking life insurance today. And, you know, we, we kind of left off with a couple of things here. But, you know, the, the big question that I think everybody has, OK, costs, you know, how do I get term? Do I get life? And. Some of the other stuff that we addressed earlier, but how do you know how
2: much life insurance you really need to get? The financial industry here has really narrowed it down to just two ways, two approaches of figuring this out. One is a multiple of income, which makes no sense at all. Absolutely no sense. The other is
3: a needs analysis approach. Yeah, actually, the, the multiple of income method does make sense because the rule of thumb, if you will, is six to eight times your household income. And so that is a perfect way of determining the right amount of insurance for someone who needs six to eight (laughs) times their annual income. In life insurance. But
2: how do you know? I mean, that's the question. How well, much should you
3: get? It, it doesn't just, It doesn't help the guy that needs two times his annual income right. uh, in life insurance. Because again, you're saying, what is the need? What's the purpose for the life insurance? Is it to fund unfunded goals? Is it for survivor income? Is it for estate liquidity? Is it to pay taxes when I'm gone? Those are all
2: needs. The multiple of income approach says you need the most life insurance near the end of your career. Because that's typically when you're making the most money. But when you're at the end of your career, typically your mortgage is paid off, the kids are out of the house, you've saved up a pile of money into retirement accounts, that's probably when your life insurance need is the least. And so I I just completely resist the idea of the multiple of income. So Josh, why don't you explain a little bit of the needs analysis approach, some of the factors Kevin was just touching on?
4: Well, it's more work. I mean, you, you have to take inventory of what kind of debt you have, um, you know, you you need enough life insurance to help supplement your your family's income. If you were one of the main breadwinners, Um, you you know, you you may also need to set aside some some dollars for goals, such as getting the kids through college, or maybe set up a mini nest egg that can grow to a large nest egg for that surviving spouse to be able to retire someday. So there's more work involved. There's a lot more uh, number crunching and projecting. Um, You know, honestly, I don't know how you don't how you could pull that off without building either the mother of all spreadsheets or having some sort of uh, analysis tool that you walk through. Yeah.
3: All yeah. right. And, so, we, and that's where we encourage folks to come and meet with a financial advisor or your insurance agent, someone who can do a needs analysis and walk you through the process and figure out what's the amount and what's the type. And, and that really ties into when you look at the, the six areas of financial planning, what can I afford? Because really, if you look at it from a financial devastation point standpoint, a disability for most folks would be more devastating than a death. We don't have time to go into that.
4: But. Well, I'm glad you mentioned what can you afford, because what you need is probably more than what you have. Yeah, for most you know, people. It, it, most people are underestimating the amount of uh, insurance proceeds that would help their family continue on without them and um but it, it there is a governor on you
1: know what fits in the budget
4: that's the the practical reality of it
1: so what about kids who are still minors and you know there's been a obviously a bunch of people who ended up uh you know being kids that just were handed money to them and they go out there and they become celebrities by doing really stupid things and maybe there's a lot of parents out there that don't want that to happen so what if your kids are still minors like should they be beneficiaries no
4: yeah. no 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 no, no.
3: No. No. And, and, and really, when you, when you think about that, Casey, we believe one of our guiding principles is that to manage money, you need skill and character. And some folks have it at 18, and some folks lack it at 68.
1: Sometimes so, they have it at 18, lose it at twenty, twenty-two, and then they get it again.
3: Sure. And, and the hardest, the, the, my experience is the most difficult money to manage is unearned money. Money mm. that I did not make. You know. It's very, very, very difficult to be a good steward of.
4: Yeah, a lot of parents don't realize that if if you have your child named as a beneficiary on, on a life insurance policy, and they're under age 18 or under age 21, depending on what state they're in, um, th- that money can't be received by the child. It has to be received by a custodian who's going to manage the money for them until they are an official adult in the state's eyes. And when they turn 18 or when they turn 21, that's when the money goes to them. That's when they get outright control of the dollars. And, y- you know, what happens after that, you referenced it, Casey, um, you know, it can take a lot of forms, but it can be summed up in three words, and it's financial train wreck. Right? Right. I mean, we've we've all seen examples. I, in fact, I've never seen an example. It's two words.
3: I was gonna say train, it was two words, wreck. but I was Is being it? polite. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna look. I, that I'm up. correcting you in my head. I was I was being
4: polite. All right. It's two words. It's public schools, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I
4: am a product.
2: Of <laughs> but here's the thing. This is this is why I love financial planning because we're talking about life insurance, but here we are actually talking about who's going to get this life insurance, how will they be responsible for it. So we're talking about estate planning. We've already talked about present financial position and cash flow. This just This touches so much stuff. There's so
3: much to consider on making just a simple choice about life insurance. Absolutely, and don't leave out tax planning because the proceeds are generally income tax free yep so that's Uh, yeah something to consider a lot of people use
2: life insurance as a tax sheltered strategy back in the days before Roth IRAs they'd use them to defer tax more of the investment but nowadays people are using it to take money out of their IRA pay a little tax to pay that premium into life insurance just so their families their their kids or spouses could inherit money that's tax free
1: all right, so one more question, then we'll dive into listener questions. How often should you reevaluate your life insurance situation?
3: Well, we have a bias towards reevaluating it annually. That's. Every year, every year. That's how we serve our clients. Most people statistically have a major financial change every 18 months. And again, you can go for a number of years without a major change, but then bam, 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 change, change, change. So we believe, and because it's not just your life insurance. Again, we said that it's a component of your estate plan, your present financial position, your tax planning, all of these different areas and really your health as well. What's going on with your health and what, what do you need co- to consider? Because when you come back from the doctor and you say, I have a PSA of seven, I'm not getting insurance anymore. Yeah. So. Good point. All right.
1: Well, we've been talking about life insurance, folks. Most of you know that. If you want to leave a question for us or ask a question, please go to wisemoneyradio.com and leave your question there. You can also give us a call at 574-222-2000. Again, that is 222-2000. You can leave a voicemail. Uh, one of those listeners is Kathy. She has a question about life insurance. She says, I'm retiring at the end of the year. I have a group life insurance policy through my work. Should I pay the money to keep it after I retire or should I let it go? My husband and I are debt free, have a decent amount in our retirement savings.
2: Yeah, good question. We Actually, we didn't even hit on this, that if you do buy life insurance through work, many of them, many of the policies are portable. So when you retire, when you leave, not all of them, but you can fill out a form and just keep it with you even though you leave your employer. Uh, we don't know enough, Kathy, about your situation, but there's a couple uh, clues that, you, that you've that you shared here. One, that we're debt-free. So if we're doing a needs analysis approach, we know we don't need life insurance to pay off a big mountain of debt. Two, the fact that you're retiring and you even stated in here that you've got a decent amount of retirement savings. Know that that goal is probably funded. I think we could probably... Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Because that stood out to me hey. as... Are you
4: sure that you you Good really point. are funded with this goal? Because I, I wouldn't want to hear someone who's stepping into retirement say, "I have a decent amount in retirement savings." Mm-hmm. I'd want to hear them say, "I have the right amount saved for retirement."
3: Confidence and clarity,
4: right? You yeah. know, and, and if they haven't done the hard work of verifying that uh, you know their their retirement is funded, that the retirement nest egg is up to the right size, then. Whether, uh, you know, that could be a driver of whether the life insurance makes sense for them. Because if he or she were to pass away early in retirement, do they have enough that's being left behind for uh, that surviving spouse? It, it's an interesting paradox, though, because, uh, you know, if they're not funded where they need to be for retirement, life insurance could make up the difference. But you're adding an expense in retirement. You're, you're making it harder for your resources to, to stretch. So that's... a uh, An interesting question.
3: Yeah, and especially when you think about life insurance and retirement, the goal would be to be working with your financial coach, your financial planner, to become self-insured by the time you're retired, if it's at all possible. Then you look at the sources of retirement income, and we know this, if something happens to you, Kathy, your Social Security or your husband's, whichever is the smaller Social Security, is going to go away. Yeah. So we know that a component of your retirement income will be gone at one of at the first death. Yep. So that that is something that should be factored into your plan as well.
4: So I'd maybe like we to need point a out that decent amount in retirement savings is five words. Just so you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just need to redeem myself. <laughs> it's bother
4: though.
1: Josh for a long time. <laughs> Some people hyphenate it. You know that counts. Some people go. hyphenate train dash wreck. You know it's uh, it's three <laughs> syllables. How about that? <laughs> syllables. <laughs> syllables. Syllables. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, are we basically saying to Kathy that we need a little bit more information? Maybe you need to take a look at what your savings really is before we decide whether or not you need
2: to get rid of that. Yeah, and that's a good point. To, to anyone else, we, we really encourage you to uh, send in some questions. We we want this to be your show. We want to answer your questions. And send in as much detail as you as, as you can. I, if you want to be anonymous and protect some of the confidential information, I can, we completely understand that. But share as much information as you want.
1: All right. We appreciate it. And again, uh, if you if you do, Kathy, though, if you need somebody to sit down and talk with, Corrin Financial Group and Granger, they're available at Corrin.com. That's Corrin with a K. And, of course, if you have a financial planning question, go to wisemoneyradio.com, or you can give us a call and leave a voicemail at 574-222-2000. We have more listeners' questions coming up on Wise Money with Corrin Financial Group right here on ninety 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's news channel.
1: Good afternoon. Well, morning, I guess, depending on where you are. Thank you for tuning in. Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Again, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory are here. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. We've been taking listener questions, which you can submit at going to uh, wisemoneyradio.com, or you can leave a voicemail at 574-222-2000. And we left off with Kathy, who had a very interesting question about life insurance, which is what we've been talking about throughout the program today. Now we've got Joe from Buchanan, 61 years old. I've had uh, two separate friends tell me recently that they updated their estate plan and had a trust drafted instead of a will. Do you have any advice on how I decide whether it makes sense for me and my wife as well?
4: You know, trusts are something that um, get more and more attention as people get closer to retirement or further into retirement because you start hearing, oh, man, if I don't have a trust, then all my stuff is going to go through a will and it's going to have to be probated. You know, probate is a dirty word for a lot of families because the, the belief is that it's tied up in court. There's lots of expenses involved and things like that. And a trust is a way to avoid a lot of that stuff um is it necessary for everybody it kind of depends on the circumstances uh one of the cases that um it makes sense is if you have property in multiple states uh owning that in a trust uh, can help you avoid the the probate process in two different states or two different counties or whatever um also if you have a dependent child we were talking earlier about um you know someone with special needs where they're going to be a dependent for a long time a trust is a way to set aside dollars for that younger child or that person who's not ready to, to take control of, of their investments or their finances and have someone do it for them uh, it, it, being a trustee. So um, that, that's another example of a time when it can make uh, a lot of sense. Um, but I, I'd be careful about just a blanket statement just because your friends have it doesn't mean that it's appropriate for you.
3: Yeah, and and for most folks that are, where you have a couple situation, the beneficiary designations take care of a lot of that, Mm -hmm. and so... Uh, you say, well, what's going to pass through my will? And what passes through my will are individually owned assets without a named beneficiary. So if you kind of take a quick inventory in your head, what do we have? What do we own? How do we own it? Most couples, it's owned jointly unless it's a retirement plan. And then there's individual ownership, but there's a named beneficiary. So that will go uh, pass directly to the beneficiary. It won't pass through the will. It won't be subject to the probate process. And this is a time where we would encourage folks, hey, go talk to your attorney. And most folks don't have enough issues, law-type issues, where they have an attorney. So they say, well, I don't, I don't know who I should talk to. And our area is blessed with an abundance of fantastic attorneys. We, we just are. And so there are lots of great attorneys that can help you put together an estate plan. Now, we have a bias, so we say work with your financial planner, who's the general contractor, And your attorneys the specialist uh, to to build that plan because that plan needs to be congruent with all the other areas of your financial life but we we just can tell you from experience there's a there's a lot of great choices if you're looking for an estate planning attorney
1: okay something you will not hear frequently ever we are blessed with great (laughs) attorneys (laughs) in this area Pat and Mishawaka, my husband and I are trying to get back on the bandwagon of budgeting, and we wondered if you have any apps or computer programs that you'd recommend to help keep us organized.
2: Bandwagon. One word or two?
1: <laughs> it is written as two, but uh, I
2: don't know. Well, I did not write that, by the way. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Pat. You, your question fit right in with the theme of the show, which is more <laughs> grammar, grammar than it is anything financial uh okay so apps for uh for budgeting i'm a big believer that cat that that involvement is the catalyst of change so if you're trying to jump on the bandwagon of budgeting that may be that that may mean that you're dealing with some financial strain right now get involved in the process so a quick automatic app that just categorizes all your expenses and you don't have to do anything may not be the quick fix that you were hoping it would be. So I, you know, I'm fairly old school and if you're trying to budget and, and the budget's tight, I like just doing Excel. Just just map it out. You've, I pull up my, my check register or basically my transaction history uh, from my bank online on one side of the screen. I've got an Excel document on the other and I'm just adding it up. And seeing where am I spending money now? If you're not in a in a pinch and you just want something to help you monitor what's going on. Yeah, there are some good apps for that. Uh, Our will we have a software that our clients use, which is like mint. Uh, So if you're if you're not a client of our firm, mint is a pretty good comparison to that. It just helps categorize your expenses automatically, but then you've got to tune into it once a week to make sure that it's categorizing things correctly and that you know whether or not you're overspending.
4: Well, and just to piggyback on what you were saying, you know, Mint.com or the Mint app on your phone or your iPad or whatever is a great way to automatically track data. You know, rather than collecting receipts and writing everything down, which you know, to your point, it adds a level of discipline and attention to it that most people never get there. Um, and and I, I know that you really encourage people to, but, you know, I, I often recommend that people set up mint.com. You, you basically connect your bank accounts, your credit cards, everything to this, uh, this app, and it tracks all the transactions for you. And If for no other reason it gives you data that you can look back on over the course of a few months so you can start to see, well, what are the patterns that uh, are in place in my spending right now? Where do I need to adjust? What's a realistic amount to budget for groceries or something like that? You've got raw data that you can go back to. What
1: Josh is really saying is that it gives you hard evidence to nail your spouse with that they have been going to Starbucks entirely too much. I suppose fifty dollars in a week for
3: Starbucks is no bueno. Wee <laughs> wee. <laughs> oui, oui. So I think it's important to consider a lot of times why people don't want to do budgeting is that is there is an emotional component to that, and that you and a, bu- a budget really is a, a mechanism to give me accountability. And most of us just left to our own devices aren't terribly interested in accountability. We we don't go seeking it. But that's why when you say, who are the folks that, that, in our experience, that have been the most successful, they're the folks that know, they're knowing where every dollar is going.
1: That's right. All right, so we've got about two minutes, guys. Steve from South Bend, I own a small business. We've had some good years, some bad years. The last two have been the best years we've ever had. I have more money in the business checking account than I ever remember having.
2: What should I do to hide that money so it doesn't get taxed? Okay, we don't have a lot of time. The first suggestion I'd uh, make is a retirement plan contribution for you or for your employees. If you have a retirement plan through work, maybe do a profit share. If you don't have a retirement plan through your business, fund some sort of deductible retirement account and uh, and like avoid an the IRA. tax, like an IRA, yeah.
4: yeah. Here's one other idea to throw out there real quick. Um, you know, if there are any pieces of machinery or equipment or something in the business that would help it grow, help it get to the next level, something that needs to be replaced or added, if you make that purchase before the end of the year, you may be able to write off the entire thing depending on how much you spent. Right the, At this point, the uh, the uh, limit is $25,000 um, that you can write off all in one shot like that but that could be a nice uh, tax deduction before the end of the year.
3: And I'd look at some expenses that you might have in the early part of next year. If you can prepay those, um, that may help, depending on what your projection is for next year as well. And that that strategy, to uh, in, in the spirit of how many words is it? I, it's three words. Bandwagon's one word. Dynamite. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy Walker.
1: <laughs> I was going to recommend lottery <laughs> tickets, but they sound a little bit more sensible than me, so... Uh, all right, guys. Uh, any parting words before we get out of here for the weekend?
2: Now, sit down with your financial planner, your insurance agent, and
3: review your life insurance. That's the action item. If yeah. you haven't done it in the last three years, you got to do it. Get it scheduled. Once you, as you are hearing my voice, write it on your to-do list. Get it scheduled to meet with my insurance advisor, my financial advisor. Unless you're driving,
1: which you can find by the way at corehorn.com. If you don't have one, corehorn.com with a K. Or you can submit your questions at wisemoneyradio.com, hear previous episodes, and you can always leave us a voicemail at 574-222-2000. For the guys over at Quorum Financial Group, you've been listening to Wise Money. I'm your host, Casey Hendricks, and you all have a great weekend. We'll see you next week right here on Wise Money with Quorum Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's news channel.
0: Securities are offered through Securities America Inc, member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.